One. What a moment. Hello you, and well... Huh? I was going to say, you excited? This yeah. podcast, we're off and running. <laughs> Hello and welcome, this is DJ Jungle Cat reporting transmissions. Thanks for tuning into the show. I'm going to pass you over to our host, Tiger, to get on with things. I'll catch you later on. Yeah, thanks for that, uh, DJ Jungle Cat. Um... So today on the show, we uh, have my very good friend, videographer, flexitarian, and full-time good bloke, Jackson Fall, with me. How are you going, Jacko? Good. You just forgot one intro card, and that's the world's strongest man. Uh, well, world's strongest man, as well. We'll add that one to the, uh, we'll add that one to the bio. Um, so, Jacko, tell us a bit of um, background. You're the, you're the powerhouse behind all the videos for the Neverland Boys. Do you want to give us a bit of background into how you got into video and a bit of background on yourself too? Humbling words, firstly. Um, I, I don't know where to start. I'll start after school but before the current career. Yeah, so, yeah. we'll go from year 11 and 12, mostly the passion... Maybe, maybe, maybe do it in ages because there might be people that in different parts of the world that don't okay. have... That can be done. That can be done. Okay, so we're Perfect. talking year 11 and 12, we're talking about 16, 17. Uh, friends at the time, Ty Smith, Christian Robbins, uh, actually wait, cut that. Okay, so friends at the time also shared the interest of wakeboarding. I grew up wakeboarding, skiing, just being towed behind a boat. My dad loved it, my mum loved it. And from there, uh, we kind of rekindled the passion uh, when we got the boat to ourselves, and dad trusted us enough to take it out. So from there, we just kind of went as much as we could every weekend, wakeboarding, 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 school almost kind of took a backward step, and then after that, university, it was just, uh, we started competing kind of low-level wakeboarding and stuff, and then uh, around 2014, I think, uh, at the wake park, went up a jump, bang, ACL, MCL, PCL, gone, Uh, beyond that, couldn't really wakeboard, and also didn't really want to wakeboard, kind of fearful almost anyway the the wakeboard scene in WA was really starting to pick up wasn't it like it wasn't really there was a few there was all you guys all together so it was really starting to like yeah got a bit of a vibe bit of a vibe yeah yeah um and so after that I kind of I still wanted to be around the scene because I really loved all my the friends I'd made through it like you're saying and so I started filming picking up a camera and kind of filming them um and I just loved it I couldn't couldn't put a camera down it's all I thought about went to university to do town planning and yeah all I was thinking about was just how I can start making videos and kind of pursue that a little bit more and I think one of the hardest days of my life was when I had to tell mum I think I'm going to drop university and do this how did she react to that Uh, she was freaking out she was not a fan at all um but at the time I had no idea what I was doing with video like if, if looking back now they're like the worst videos I've ever seen but, I don't know, at the time there was just so much passion behind it, I just couldn't see it not working. Um, and so immediately after that, I kind of had so that... You, so you were at uni making videos part-time for your wakeboarding friends, but you had a degree going at the same time. Yeah, two years into the degree. Um, you got injured and you thought, stuff it. Yeah. No more uni, I'm purely going to make videos. 100%. And then, so from there, I actually got a lot of really good opportunity early on with uh, our friend, uh, Reese Williams from Mandra. Just kind of like, he was in the local community and had lots of like contacts and such with the music industries around the area and stuff like that. So from there, um, he kind of put a lot of faith in me and gave me a, a contract straight up, like 
can't thank him enough to this day for that. Because but but that wasn't making videos for weight boring. That was making videos for his business. First commercial step. So you've dropped out of uni, making weightboard videos on the side for fun, but to make money, you were making commercial videos. Yeah, began so, that, and that kind how, of were you still interested in making those kind of videos as well? Uh, yeah, it was also fresh and new. It was just kind of like whatever I can film. I just I want to do this, and I just want to I want to like just create anything. I didn't care what it was at the time. Yeah. And I did that for about a year, I think. Yeah. A year, maybe a little bit more than a year. Yeah. And then at the time you were living on Rotnest and that's when you were like, man, I'm living the sickest like lifestyle here. Like we're just like swimming, jumping, jumping off things and like swimming with seals and diving and it just sounded so surreal. And then you're like, come over. I remember the first trip over there and I'll, I didn't really know there was a bunch of people that I'd never met before and they were just the sickest crew. And we just went out and just lived and filmed and... From there, that kind of fueled the first fires for travel lifestyle, I guess. Yeah. Even though we were only traveling to Rottnest, but it felt like... Yeah, it felt like a different And that planet. content kind of aligned with the travel and lifestyle kind of stuff. To give you guys a bit of background, uh, I was living on Rottnest, went to school with Jackson, and uh, while I was living on Rottnest, I saw him transition from uh, just making the wakeboard videos into the commercial stuff. And I really saw that he was starting to make some insane things and my mind just immediately started exploding with ideas about how crazy good it would be to document the life that I was living on Rotnest with, uh, in the cinematic way that Jackson documented commercial videos. So that was kind of where the, the foundations of Neverland was started. But maybe you could talk to uh, the people that are listening about um, perhaps ways that they could perhaps like how you got on the track that you did and how that could relate to similar people that would want to get into the travel and lifestyle. I've said it before on national television and I'll say it again here now. <laughs> Follow your dreams. Quote that. Write that down. Follow your dreams. But maybe give some uh, practical advice about like how someone could do it, perhaps like making commercial videos like around the world kind of thing or something like that. Yeah, more real to that. I think if you have a passion in something and you want to pursue it, I think... I don't really know how to speak broadly about it because I'm so so specific to what I was doing. But um, yeah, if if you can just find something that can kind of monetize your passion, and even if it's kind of like not exactly on the path that you want, then I think as you start doing that, you'll sort of realize the ins and outs of the craft as well as the ins and outs of how to monetize and what service that offers to businesses and how you can make that work in your favor to use that money to do, to do what you want while still doing all of your passions at the same time, just in different sectors, I guess. Yeah, so basically when we started Neverland, we were doing lots of commercial videos on the side and we all kind of started to learn how to make videos from Jackson and we were making commercial videos for people which we didn't really use for ourselves. But while we were making the videos for them, we were going using the money we were earning and travelling around and going to places... Uh, where we could get footage for ourselves as well. So we might get like a board short video that we had to make, but we'd make the board short video in a place where we could use footage for ourselves as well. Um, but like I remember when you first started getting into making videos, you had some, um, you were watching some videos and you had some different kind of inspirations. Maybe you can talk to us about like your inspirations for like for basically people or. Um, people that were in, yeah, like some names and some films that you watched early on, 
and uh, like maybe track that through to where you are now and how you've kept inspired? I think early on, when I was first exposed to the travel kind of side of it, when we started doing it and then all these names started popping up as our interests sort of aligned with that Instagram crowd, I guess. Um, like your people like Sam Evans and like Sam Calder and stuff, early days when they kind of weren't as big as they are now, but just seeing their stuff early on, you just sort of think like, this is so next level, like this is what I want to be doing. And as you progress, you kind of like, um, you almost feel like peers to these people. Not not that we've made it on that level, but hello. <laughs> Sorry, I got really, I kind of, I was losing my train of thought and you picked that up and then I, yeah, but, I was so, gone. <laughs> so you were, whoa, 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 hang on, I can keep going. So <laughs> yeah, you see your people like Sam Evans and Sam Calder and, uh, yeah, early on, they were kind of my biggest inspirations, I guess. Just they were sort of doing things that people weren't. And that's like exactly what I wanted to be doing. And they were doing it in the field that I was beginning to love. And uh, beyond that, the the big game changer for me was when View from a Blue Moon and like a couple of the Brain Farm productions came out because that was just taking kind of out our sector, I guess, in the lifestyle content and just putting it on like a, a Hollywood scale, like the best cameras, the best equipment, just the most insane of everything and that, I think that was the biggest inspiration for me throughout like it, I, you can see through my work if you track it back just the big turn in like yeah all that quality from just being like this like kid that doesn't really know his style and stuff like that to just when I started grabbing bits of like other people's work and then kind of forming that into my own style I guess yeah I remember when you from a blue moon came out that was huge for all of us but especially you like immediately after that we our whole like the whole of like everything we were filming was so inspired by that that I remember we, you made that video in Indonesia about the surfing underwater and All it was underwater. like a, it was like a thirty second video and there was like twenty eight seconds of surfing underwater and it was awesome but you can see like uh, as as different videos have come out, how like we've all, how our style has kind of been influenced by that. I think that's the beauty of like what we do is just, it, it's just all inspiration and creativity and you just, you see work and you interpret it and then you can just, I think we're, we're pretty lucky to be, not that we're on a high level of production, but like just to be able to kind of tell stories through our work, just to be able to tell stories through our work and then to be able to just, well, like, you, you basically you're saying how, like, in the creative industry, you draw, you draw in, like, some people would say it's copying, but it's more just drawing inspiration from that and, like, interpreting, interpreting it how you yeah, interpret exactly. it and then creating it in your own style. I think that's one of the best things about the creative industry. Like, a lot of, a lot, a lot of people see, basically, when you follow someone on Instagram, you follow their work because you're inspired by what they do. So it's kind of similar with video in that you'll watch a video and you'll be like, oh my God, this is so sick. And then your video for the next, like, all your video work for the next little while is just so inspired by that that it, like, kind of is almost pretty similar to it in a way. Exactly. And, like, the other day... It's like the progress of an artist, really. Like, Yeah. I love to see where we are in time. And it's just, it gets more and more exciting as you go, too. Like, the last couple of days we've seen two of, like, the coolest videos that I've ever seen. And that was Chris Burkhardt's uh, Under an Arctic Sky and uh, Nathan Oldfield's Churches to the Sky and lots of skies. But that <clears throat> those two movies have just like in completely different ways inspired me to do different things. Like Nathan Oldfield's kind of like an, like his style is kind of old school in the surfing scene, I guess. Like it's just so like Retro vintage and like indie. artsy and it's the, the colour grade and stuff just like makes me want to read 
rethink all my color grades, and then you look at like Travis Burke, where he's just uh, sorry Chris Picard, where he's doing the most insane um, kind of missions and stuff like that. And as soon as we watched, as soon as you and I sat down and finished watching it, we're just like, we have to go to Iceland. Like we, that's what we want to do. Yeah. Like it just it fuels you to just want to do what they're doing because you've just been so inspired and you just have all these different ideas and stuff about how you would do that and in a, in a different way almost. Yeah, but it's just completely fueled from that and I think that's... It's a big thing to even be considered in that field that we might be doing that for other people. Yeah, it's hard to comprehend. Maybe? You can go down that way if you want. Um, yeah, like a lot of like humbling messages well, yeah, and stuff come yeah. in. And so talk to us. So now we've been making videos for like a year and a half. So maybe talk to us about how when you release something, because ba- lately when we've released videos, we've really tried to have screenings so we can share it with our closest friends in the places that we are when we release them. And I know that when we have the screenings, that makes you, you really enjoy that. So maybe you can talk to us about how you feel when you've made a production and then you share it and how that makes you feel. I think it makes it so much more satisfying. Like on Instagram, you post something, can you get like, you see the likes or something, that's kind of the visual representation. People say some nice words, but it's just got nothing on like in real life when you see people's actual reactions to what you've created and stuff like that. And if you kind of like put yourself into their mind and think if I was watching like a brain farm production or something like that, if I'd be inspired, and then I don't, I'd like to think that like if they could draw some inspiration from my work in one way or another, then I think that'd be quite a heartwarming feeling. Yeah, and so there's probably a lot of um, people that might tune in that want to get into video but they don't think they have the right camera or they don't think they can afford a camera so maybe you can talk to us about how you got started and about how you could suggest someone else can get started as well the first wakeboard movie i ever made was in like 2011 and that was filmed on a sony a 60 something or other and it was just like a pretty horrendous camera to be honest looking back but that was the first camera i had and oh no sorry that's a lie it was actually filmed on a... Sorry, I'll start it again so you can cut that bit out. The first film... No, good. Just keep going. All right. The first wakeboard video I filmed in 2011, I wouldn't even call it a movie. It was just a like me and my friends kind of jumping around, but that was filmed on a Canon T3 something or other, just a super low-level Canon that my mum had. Entry level, hey? Yeah, below. <laughs> below entry level. So that's only shooting 24 frames and, like and it was still super choppy. low. Yeah. Super low res, everything's blurry, just all on auto settings, had no idea, but... Just like you just make a vibe and that's like what you run with and as we progressed, I was, I was super lucky like in the position I was in because I've been working in bars and such like as I was going through university so when I wanted to first buy a new camera I kind of had the option of like looking back it was probably a bad move but at the time I was so inspired by like Devin Supertramp and stuff like that and I saw he was using a 5D and I was like I gotta get a 5D so I went I forked out and got a 5D and that changed everything for me like in one way, it was good because for the commercial videos when I needed good low light and, like, it was a way better quality camera, I could kind of excel in that field. But at the same time, like, looking back, all I wish I hadn't done that because the creativity is, like, 99.999% of it. And the vibe. And the vibe, 100%. So, um, as, as good as it is to have the tools to be able to create stuff that uh, will assist you, yeah, the tools will assist you in that way, but... At the end of the day, like, I feel like my creativity might have been burdened by being exposed to some features that I probably wasn't ready for at the time. Yeah, but I feel like um, there's a good story in that. A lot of people say, oh, I don't complain about not having enough money to get, get, even get an entry-level camera, but I remember Jackson worked 
pretty hard in a bar as a um, casual while he was at university and saved up a lot of money and that funded a lot of his initial cameras. So that's something to keep in mind as well. I think that like you can have a side job that you that you do to save money and it's just about what you invest in because like you say, you start with a 5D and we've progressed and now you've got the GH5 which is 4K and 60 frames per second. Does everything you need to do. But just elaborating on that last point about having equipment that gives you different uh, like features and stuff like that. Like right now, like the GH5, it does 180 frames a second which is like super, super slow. And if you look back to a camera that only does like 24 frames a second... Like I've never, I know this program called Twixter where you can slow down footage that wasn't filmed in an, a frame rate that allowed it to be slowed down. Um, and I think lessons like that that I I never learnt because I went straight to kind of a top camera, which I I think looking back I'd way prefer to have learnt all of those programs and like found ways to go around all the difficulties of filmmaking at a low lower level. And I think that would have made me into a better filmmaker today, but. At the time, it just seemed like the right thing to do. and It's a good lesson just to learn this skill of like yeah, filming it in the right 100%. frame rate. Um, and <clears throat> you mentioned in your Instagram pro- post today that you've felt like you've been in a creative rut for a while now. Uh, maybe you can talk to us about what, how you felt when you were in the creative rut, maybe why you, why you think you got into it and how you're getting out of it. Yeah, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like a a hard thing to explain, but just not ever feeling inspired to kind of pick up a camera and film, it always just feels like a chore, where initially it was just such like an exciting thing, like, oh, I'm going filming, like, I just have everything prepared the night before, like, it's all just in the car, ready to go, and just like, like, frothing on it, to then progressively getting to the point where I just, it's the last thing I want to do, I'd rather like sit in bed and watch a movie or something like that, it's just like a terrible mind space to be in, but... Over the last eight months, even though we've been travelling and having a lot of fun, there's been a lot of stuff going on kind of behind the scenes that sort of, like, it's been a, like, it's consumed a lot of my thinking time and, like, I think between that and just kind of being on the road all the time and, it like, it's quite exhausting and I think that's kind of left me quite uninspired over the last, yeah, almost a year, I guess. I've just had no, like, no passion for passion projects and I think it's, yeah, just recently we've kind of, got into a bit like even when you have a bit of spare time and stuff like that just a lot more I've made time just to kind of like almost be by myself and like just kind of clearly think about stuff and just reinvest it in yourself yeah and that's kind of only happened in the last couple of weeks but already I can see like how my headspace has completely changed to where it was where now I just like I want to like I've restarted those passport videos and like I'm already I've, I've thought of like three ideas today of like different videos that I really want to do like one one's about you one's about like another passport episode it's just kind of like this new fuel that just kind of like it's like the gears start going again and you just you get the fire back and it's it's an incredible feeling now to be running through it it's almost like when I first started going back and feeling that and like it just opens your mind again it's yeah it's a good journey isn't it like seeing I think that's a big part of being a creator like it's not going to be the last creative rut that you ever get in but now that you've been through one you know kind of know next time how you got out of that one so you can kind of use that there I think another thing that you might have that might have influenced it as well is um, for the last kind of year to fund our travels, we've been making a lot of commercial videos, which are great for funding travel and whatnot. But in it's terms creatively of numbing. yeah, in terms it's absolutely of numbing. creative inspiration, it's kind of hard. And we've spent a lot of time making that as well. 
Um, so maybe you can talk to us about trying to find a balance between both like making money and making videos for other people as well as uh, making videos for yourself. Yeah, we were in a hard position at the time because we just wanted yeah, to be able to fund the travels and the only way that was apparent to us to do that was to just do as much commercial work as we could. Just board shorts, watches, like we didn't say no to anything. Like it's like a hundred dollar job and you're investing like a thousand dollars worth of time into it and you just, it, you kind of, you don't realise at the time but you're just sort of numbing yourself down and like the, the videos are just always so mundane and they're never, and they're progressively getting worse because you're getting into this headspace of like repetition where you just have a structure for a video, you just run through the motions and you're not enjoying the process and I think yeah, after that, like I said, I got into a creative rut. And, um, yeah, that at the time, that was, like, the only way out for us was just to, like, make money like that and keep travelling. That just seemed like the only goal. But, uh, yeah, ever since... Um, Restarted Neverland? Yeah. Ever since we kind of rebooted Neverland, we, we made it our mission to, like, change the goal from being, yeah, just just kind of surviving, doing these commercial videos to kind of expanding our horizons and like almost like Neverland was in a creative rut. Like we reinvested into ourselves and kind of sat down and thought, right, we've got to cut the commercial work and just sort of like go back to our roots and what we loved and what we really were passionate about in the first place that made us want to start this journey. And that's the main reason behind Citizens of Nowhere, our new series, is just to rekindle that and yeah, get creative with it and see what opportunities that can bring. Yeah, I really like that you've taken that tangent to go down into that the thought process behind Citizens of Nowhere because I think that, that was a huge part of us developing as creators and I think it's pretty relatable to a lot of people as well is how we went from doing all those commercial videos and all of us becoming super creatively uninspired and that affecting... Um, more of our life to then recognizing that and re-establishing what it was that made us get into it so um yeah that was pretty huge but maybe um you can talk more about the fact of undervaluing your work and um finding a balance between what you get out of getting paid and like an experience because a lot of the time uh, some of the stuff that we've done has been free work in exchange for an experience or free free work in exchange for travel or even at the start, free work for, in exchange for free product, products. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, exactly that. In America last year, we would like probably the biggest opportunity at the time came to us and that was in Busabout. It's a travel company kind of like Kentucky and we just thought that was the greatest thing. Like it At the time, it just seemed like they're going to pay us to travel. We're going to go to all these insane places. And at, um, so once we began that and we started doing these tours and kind of going to the touristy places, but at the same time, like that, that's kind of what we needed at the time. But at the same time, it also developed into us being. Wait, I need water. Where am I going with that? This is good, man. Yeah, the value of your work. Um, uh, like for example when we first started making videos we were just frothing out on the idea of like giving photos and videos for a free pair of board shorts and then we went kind of tracked through to like getting free travel in exchange for our work and now we're kind of prioritizing doing our own stuff over getting paid and in yeah last year in america um the 
the opportunity of like what some would consider a lifetime and that's what we thought at the time as well came up and that was to go and bus about uh and do the tours and film the tours and in exchange they'd they'd pay us a small uh a small profit and we got to go on the tours and that just seemed like the greatest thing at the time and once we began it we sort of began to realize that we're just kind of going to the places that everyone's been and like it's just so touristy and you're just going where everyone else is going and that in itself was uninspiring and I think it was quite yeah. a surreal feeling because at the same time you're thinking this is what everyone kind of at home is like working towards. They're just like, we've got to get on these tours, we've got to go travel, we've got to save up for it. And, and we were there and we were feeling super ungrateful. You just feel so ungrateful. But right, at the same in terms time. of creativity, it was quite uninspiring for us. Yeah. yeah, and I think that was like a big lesson to learn for us. Like, not that we're like so different from everyone else, but I think that just that isn't what we started this to do, like we started this to kind of document places that people hadn't seen. It started on Rottnest Island, which at the time had barely been documented on social media. And once we brought to light Rottnest Island, like a lot of people started going there and filming it and stuff like that. And I think that really inspired people. Um, And that's kind of what we wanted to do all over the world. But once we left and started going to all these touristy places that at home we were thinking it would just be the most insane thing ever. once we got there, we sort of realised like we really need to get off the grid, and that's where our inspiration is going to come back when we start doing things that people aren't. And I think that's like a big thesis for the company, like the brand Neverland is based so purely on like doing what people aren't and inspiring people to kind of get out there and do the same. Just go and be on the tourist routes and see, uh, get up and see some crap. Kind of just sort of thing of nowhere, isn't it? It's nice that we've touched on Neverland there a bit of a spark. Good for a lot of people. Um, now, just taking that tangent of creativity into uh, a different route, could could your change in mentality and creativity be related to your very infamous flexitarian diet? Now, for those of you that don't know, Jackson for about a year now, has been wavering in and out of a vegan diet, treating himself from time to time. It has a structure. There's a structure there. All right, talk us through it. The structure is I'm a uh, vegan, full-time. End of story. Uh, except when I go home and then I'll treat myself to the occasional Subway or steak or any other food that presents itself on my plate. And now, is that is that you treating yourself or is that like... Flex, is that just ease of like the meat being there when you're at home or it's satisfying the craving <laughs> so you're vegan because of what i was never vegan for the ethical reasons as much as they've become present recently to me uh i was purely vegan for health and then i think i've started to kind of twist that into just eating the food that i want that doesn't have meat in it yeah or eggs or dairy so when we were in america last year so this is 12 months ago uh, Your boys blew out. Yeah, Jackson and myself both were in the worst physical condition of our lives and also the most uninspired we'd been for creative work as well. So maybe talk us through the journey of um, your turnaround in from wh- where you were then to how you are now. I remember the moment. It was uh, Europe. Um, could not remember specifically what city. It was about halfway through the bus about... Tour. We did three months on bus about. And so this been... is this is like August last year. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, then. yeah. We just come off America where it was just burritos, acai bowls, just all the crap that they put into their food that we were eating, not thinking about it. 
and a severe lack of exercise. And I remember turning uh, up to Switzerland, which was the second leg of bus about. Yeah, so about June last year. And we looked at each other and we were just thinking, we've got to start running or doing something because it was just ridiculous. It was getting ridiculous. We were like, we didn't even, couldn't even see ourselves. We just didn't know what was going on. So started with running. Diet, diet hadn't changed at that point. Yeah. We, so we started doing these little trundles, probably a couple of kilometers every other day, probably twice a week, three times a week maybe. And then uh, we sat down and watched, what was it called? Cowspiracy. Cowspiracy. Um, and that just kind of threw it all out there about, how one, how bad it was for the environment, two, what we're actually putting in our body. And when you kind of like can relate to it so heavily because you've been eating all this crap and you're like, all right, something's got to change here. <laughs> so from that day, I remember Elliot was eating a salmon baguette at the time and he threw it in the bin, didn't even finish it. And then I just thought, right, I've kind of always been intrigued about being a vegan sort of thing. And that was, like, doing it with someone I knew would be so much easier. And, like, I wanted to support him as much as he probably wanted to support me. So I was just like, stuff it. I'm going to try it. Um, and, yeah, one year and a bit later, yeah, been doing, well, yeah, while we travel, which is most of the time, I guess. Yeah, so talk to us about um, running and being vegan on the road and how that's gone for you. Uh, where, where was the hardest place? Wait, funny little thing about running. I remember when I did my ACL after... Uh, so this is going way back to yeah, when you way back. got into Just the video. thought with running. Um, I remember when I couldn't run, I had the inability to run because I was recovering for, I don't know, eight months to a year from this ACL injury. All I was thinking was how much I wanted to run. And as soon as I had recovered enough to be able to run, I started running and I was going to the gym lots and... Um, yeah, and then we started Neverland and the running just completely stopped and I completely neglected kind of the appreciation to be able to run when you think about people that can't run and like yeah. it's kind of plays in my mind today. But um, yeah, so when we rekindled that, that was kind of like, I don't know, I love it. I love running. I, I, looking back, I can't imagine why I'd ever stopped. Um, and now it's just so heavily a part of our daily routine. Like it's just when are we running? That's kind of the first thing. Like we wake up, if we wake up super early, we'll go for a run. Or if we both like had a late night editing or something like that, then it'll be like an afternoon run. But you just like a golden hour. You never go without a run, and it's such a satisfying thing. You have the endorphins. You feel so good. And um, so, you, can you see a clear change in your mental state? hundred percent. Since what? What do you think? Do you think it's just been the running, or do you think diets had a part to play as well? Yeah, both for sure. Like I, I used to just be so low on energy all the time and uh, it's so cliche to be like oh I've got so much energy now I'm vegan but it it's true it is so cliche it's so cliche but it's so true like as soon as I turned vegan I just noticed myself noticed myself waking up earlier and like yeah going to bed earlier as well like just the body clock shift sort of thing not to say I don't have the occasional sleep and every now and then yeah like, but loves to sleep for the most part um yeah full of beans except for around 4 o'clock every other afternoon when I need a nana nap if we've had a big day <laughs> and um yeah so you missed the point about being vegan on the road and where it was hard to be vegan, maybe talk to us about how you made it work when you were in places where it was harder. Funnily enough, when you like after watching Cowspiracy, I had such a hatred for dairy. Even when I go home, I don't, I don't have dairy now. Like it's just so exited eat, my life. <clears throat> eat meat, but no dairy. Yeah, I just despise dairy. Everything about what Cowspiracy informed me of and all the other research I've done aligning with dairy and what it does to the human body. It, it wasn't hard to, like, exit that from my diet. Like, it, 
uh, it's kind of like one of those things I haven't actually found that hard to to do to be vegan on the road. One because you're here, like, and I sort of just try and eat what you eat. Um, but as well as that, like, I think just being so not passionate about veganism, but like just having the thought process that you're not thinking about meat anymore. So it kind of becomes like you only think about what you can eat and then you just get creative with like what you can make out of that and consume. And yeah, you, you enjoy it after a while because you come up with these little things like we've got the zucchini pasta and stuff like that, things that you enjoy as much as you enjoyed meat. And it never really became all that difficult. So you enjoy being vegan because it makes you feel better? Yeah. Yeah. And not as fat. So you've lost a lot of weight as well? Yeah. What are we talking? I think I was like 86 in America and, well, I was like 80, but then we ate bread in Portugal and I went back to like 85, so. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, relating that back to creativity, do you think there's been a correlation between your change in um, your lifestyle habits and the rekindle of creativity or not at all? Yeah. I haven't really thought too much about this, to be honest. I remember today we were talking about how when we're running, we like especially when we're by ourselves, it's a lot easier to get your thoughts together. Um, do you? What do you think about when you're running? Are you talk? Are you? Is that where you get I, most your inspiration? Or yeah, I can't even recollect like running thoughts, but for the most part, that's if we run like usually we run together and we kind of like bounce ideas off each other, and it's like a really open atmosphere because you're not like no one's getting shut down or anything like that. But when you run solo, I kind of I don't know, I kind of just, like, my mind sort of, like, numbs out, but at the same time, like, I only think about the things that are relevant at the time, like, and I don't know, like, yeah, but, like, today I went for a walk down to the beach to meet you, and during that walk, like, we're talking about that today, about, like, walking and running the difference, and, like, it's almost like your mind runs faster when you're running, ironically, but, um, and when I was walking, I was, I was just, not that you run fast, not that we're, (laughs) not that we're fast runners, in fact, the officer, we are trundlers, but the thoughts are running fast, yeah, and so, like, I almost don't feel that clear when I run, except when I'm running with you, and we're talking about it, and it's in the air, but, yeah, thinking about, kind of, like, running and stuff, kind of blows my mind, but, when I was walking today, like, my mind just felt so clear, I was just listening, I remember specifically, like, listening to things that were going on around me, and I was like, I actually capture a lot of, like, things that I don't acknowledge that I can hear when I try to hear it. And from that, I conceptualize that, like, I don't know if my head works in a different way or if I'm just more aware of it. But, um, like, picking out the little things in in life or, like, in a city or something like that. And to that, uh, I wanted to make another Passport episode about how, um, yeah, about how, like, creatives kind of view the world in a different way. Not that I, I hate preaching that I'm, like, well, I'm different and stuff like that. Like, it, I'm just a normal dude. But, like, I just, I, like, I was I was pretty excited that I was open to different sounds and stuff that I don't usually acknowledge. But when I tried to listen for it, I just, like, I saw it, I could see it before I could hear it. And it was just something that I really wanted to document. And then, so in my head, I sort of, like, visualized a video to it. And that kind of got me... Like, it kind of got me really excited and, like, now I want to make this video and it's kind of, like, all I'm thinking about now and it's just... Yeah, well, I think... the passion behind... Yeah, well, I think it's the concept of finding inspiration at certain times. Like, we were talking... Like, you're saying there that just wa- simply walking got you thinking and it's interesting to, like, relate where you get your inspiration from and when and when you don't because, like you say there, you, you were just walking down the street and you're getting all these creative juices flowing but if you're just, like sitting in front of your computer, for example, it's, it's like, not the same A brain-dead experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, also, I wanted to touch on uh, how you like to go home and um, what role that plays in your health <laughs> um, and just your creativity and like the benefit of just going home or, or, or is, it, is it a benefit? Talk about home. <laughs> yeah. Um, Talk to us about home because we're, we're there every Christmas. We try to go home. But you also like to go home a couple of times by yourself. Yeah, I've I've been a homebody like my whole life. I'd I'd never left the country. I'd barely left the state until uh, when Neverland started, and then my first experience was Bali. But so it's always been so heavily in me to like I've, I just love home. I love the vibe of it. I love like my family being around me, and I love like being able to settle and like go to the gym, get a routine, and that's just been thrown out the window when we started Neverland and it. It kind of at first it was like quite a shock, but I think I've quite like, I've really grown into it. I remember going home last time and just thinking like, all right, I'm ready to get out of here, sort of thing, get going and do something different, get creative. And um, I wouldn't call it the most creative place on earth. Like I know we always kind of push for content when we're home, and it seems like you go down south and you're kind of going to places that you've already been. But you you try to look at it as different as you can, and yeah, but it always feels like a grind compared to when you're out in somewhere new, we've never seen, you don't know what's coming next, but. Every now and then, when we're traveling, I, I'll, like, I just get so homesick, just super randomly. Like, we've been away for, I think, five months or something, or six months, and I've been home for one week in between. But You always seem to, whenever you go home um, and you're a little bit, like, you're just homesick and you want to go home, you always seem to come back refreshed and ready to get back into things, like, almost, like, revitalized and re-energized yeah. almost as well. Well, we're always sleeping in really ridiculous places like we spent a night on an aeroplane floor and little things like that I think that build up and you just you get so exhausted just from constantly moving like you pack up a suitcase pretty much every day and you just you never have time to just sort of like settle and digest and process and think clearly and you're never alone so your brain's always like running high with activity because you're conversing and I think going home you just separate from everything and you, you get a good night's sleep you can just go running your normal running route and you just it's kind of like the consistency that, like, I appreciate the consistency of being home, how it's, you know what's going to happen. It's all just so, yeah, even though I feel like now in my life it's a thing to just be all over the place, like, we never know what's going to be happening in the next week. Yeah. I no, think I've it's... grown into that quite heavily, but it's always good to go home and just refresh and reboot and recharge. I think that's a good point you make there too, just like going home to recharge um, just to wrap things up, I thought maybe you could uh, talk to us about some of your goals and plans for the next little while. Goals. It's the thing we've been trying to figure out for a while, isn't it? Um, I <laughs> think maybe, maybe you can just talk personally if you don't want to talk about Neverland. Yeah, I think my goal since as long as I can remember is to have a movie made about my life. I don't know what is going to be encompassed in that movie. I'm kind of like... I guess writing the script as I live day to day, but I'm not literally writing a script, but I'm writing the script of my life um, by living it. Um, is that motivation for you to to like live like and do? It is. Stuff? It is in a way, but at the same time, I'm not consciously thinking about what's going to make a sick movie scene like and do that. It's just we're just living, and I, I kind of I don't know what format it's going to be, but I think a, a big end goal for me is to have a movie about my life and. I've, that's a driving force. I feel like we're like stepping stones towards that and stuff like that. But I just, I love the process of video and photos and documentation. And I feel like that's all leading to something. I don't know what it is yet, but that's one little goal that I want, I want to have. All right. Well, thanks a lot for your time, mate. Good chat. Plenty of good stuff in there. And, 
Thanks a lot there, Tiger. I really appreciate you, your time, Jackson Ball, and uh, all the listeners for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on Tiger's Call. That was sick, man.